Welcome to Gazuntite with Jacobus, highlighting health, healing, and healthy lifestyles with your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Gesundheit with Jacob. It's great to have you with us. Uh, we have a wonderful program for you today, talking about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. We're going to talk about intuition and health. And we have Kyle Clicker and Diane Ferris with me in the studio. And uh, it looks like, I tell you what, from talking about the program and all the preparations that was done by these two, it's going to be really an exciting three-hour show for you. And I hope you stick with it the whole three hours because it's going to be fascinating. You're going to recognize a lot about your own life and uh, and other people who you know. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the program. We get the experts on. Let them talk about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles and covering spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical issues and topics. We, uh, we hope that we can give you a piece of the puzzle and your quest for better health and uh, that we can help you to keep going the way you're going or to make a few changes along the way and that you will feel good about yourself and that you can help others who are very close to you in your life. As always, when we talk about these topics, make sure that uh, we are here to inform, entertain and educate. We're not here to diagnose or prescribe or we're not going to do surgery either. <laughs> no physical exams in the studio either. So we just suggest that as you uh, as you listen, that hopefully we tickle your interest for you to grab a book about the topic, go to the internet, talk to a physician of your choice, and just become the most educated person you can be if this is a topic that you need to know more about. And it is just fascinating for me to, uh, to have done these shows for the last uh, six years, and the amount that I have learned myself and how I've been able to apply in my life. And I hope, you, for those of you who have listened for a while, that uh, you have been able to do similar things as I've been able to do. And I hope for those of you who are new, that you will get some out of this, because uh, the information over here is extremely valuable. So thanks so much for being here. Let me tell you a little bit about our guests. Uh, Kyle Clicker, first of all, Kyle has been in the, on the program several times. And um, he is here today to talk to us with Diane about uh, remote viewing, amongst other things. He has a ton of information, but let me tell you a little bit about him. He's graduated magna cum laude from the University of Utah, majoring in mechanical engineering with minors in food and nutrition, as well as outdoor recreation. He also holds a graduate degree in electrical engineering from Montana State University. Kyle was a research scientist at the University of Utah Medical Center Department of Orthopedic Surgery, developing surgical instrumentation, orthopedic implants, and assisting in surgeries. He also developed inf informatic tools for the Human Genome Project that led to a successful business startup and later buyout by a European pharmaceutical company. Besides being a licensed professional engineer in the state of Montana, Kyle is also a medical Qigong specialist with a certification from the People's Republic of China. Other training that he has received, heart math, aromatherapy, wilderness EMT, nutritional kinesiology, technical remote viewing, functional medicine with isopathic spagyric remedies. Some of the other things that Kyle has done in his spare time, he is an author of three books and numerous professional publications. 20 years ago, he outfitted the food for a month-long climbing expedition to the Alaska Range. He used quality food and supplements for this. Expedition members experienced no sickness or problems at altitude and actually gained weight as compared to the weight loss and wasting 
typically experienced by mountaineers at altitude. Now, there's two ways you can reach Kyle. You can either email him at Kyle Clicker, K-Y-L-E, first name, Clicker, K-L-I-C-K-E-R, Kyle Clicker, at yahoo.com. Or you can call him, and we'll give this number out again, 587-8297, 587-8297. Now, Diane Ferris, she is here for the first time, and hopefully she'll come back again because it's going to be very fascinating today. Diane Ferris is a natural gifted intuitive. She has her own business in the local area as an intuitive spiritual advisor and medium. She may provide people with insights about concerns, frustrations, frictions, and battles won and lost. This way, she is able to help people understand their own healing, their own healing crisis and issues. Once this has been determined, the first step to recovery can be taken. Diane can also be reached by email at lightworker at mcn.net, lightworker, L-I-G-H-T, worker, at mcn.net, or you can call her by 580-2893. For those of you outside the area, all these have a prefix of 406, 406 for Montana, 580-2893. Well, Kyle, good morning to you. Oh, good morning, Jacobus. Good thank to have you back. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I, I always have a great time on your <laughs> radio show, and I also have a great time listening to it, and I've gleaned a lot of useful information over the years. Well, thank you. That is very much appreciated. You're appreciate welcome. It. And Diane, good to have you with us for the first time. Thank you. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I'm really excited about seeing what's out there for people. Yeah. Well, I uh, I had a chance to meet you. Uh, Kyle said you got to meet Diane, and uh, <laughs> so we had a very nice meeting actually a couple months ago, and then we set up the show. And um, um, I think the 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 uh, the work that you two have done on getting ready for this program is absolutely uh, fascinating. I'm really impressed with all the prep that was put into this program. And I'm sure that the listeners in general are going to be uh, very educated at the end of the three hours. And they're going to have some uh, surprise stories they're going to hear. And um, I think the information is something that uh, we're actually going to learn something from the two of you about gift, a gift that all of us have, but we somehow need to develop or can develop if we desire to do so. Who would like to explain a little bit about intuitive healing or about well, remote viewing? Well, I'll, I'll address that to, to start off with. And Please. You know, we're talking about uh, intuition mm -hmm. and exactly what is intuition and, and do some people have it and other people don't. And, and the way I would answer that is that everybody has the ability to be intuitive. Right. To, to glean information about something that is not necessarily, you know, transparent or easily obtainable. It, it comes through, quote unquote, mysterious means. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a skill, just like any other skill, that uh, there are some people that are very good uh, piano players or soccer players like Jacobus. <laughs> but most of us could play the piano given enough training or enough practice or play soccer we just not might not be as good as someone else mm -hmm. so just in the intuition is the same way there'll be someone who may be very talented and have a natural gift at it and there'll be someone that like myself i consider you know pretty normal that could develop those intuitive skills through proper training 
Right. And that's what I did. Actually, uh, it's about 10 years ago now. I heard about uh, the, the concept of remote viewing. I I may have been a radio show or may have been a, t a TV special or a, or a news show at the time that uh, was discussing this program that the, uh, the, the government had where they were using the concept of remote viewing, actually accessing information about strategic targets using in intuitive means. Uh, it was a spying technique. And I heard about this, and there was some of the people that had been in the government program, and the government program ended in the mid-90s, and they started different schools, and I went to one of those schools, and it was a very rigorous training. Uh, I think it was, it was almost two weeks long. We did three sessions every day, mm. morning, afternoon, and evening, uh, learning the skills of what was what's called CRV, or Coordinate Remote Viewing, okay. and it's a a protocol that was developed uh, at the SRI, uh, which originally stood for the Stanford Research Institute, by uh, Hal Putoff and Ingo Swan back in the early uh, 70s. Mm -hmm. And they used these techniques to, to train government employees to carry out uh, basically uh, spying missions, looking at, uh, at targets, but from... A, uh, a location here in, in the United States, they could look anywhere they wanted and gather information about a particular target. And so I was interested in that, and I went to see if I could do it. And indeed, I could, and it was an eye-opening experience. It actually uh, showed me that, wow, you know, there's more to just my own consciousness than my thinking rational mind that is embedded in this body. Mm -hmm. And it it, you, you can call it a paradigm shift or a, a shift in belief structure of what's possible. And it, it really it changed my life. I don't use it that much. But what it did is it trained my intuition. It helped me develop a relationship with a part of my mind that I had not a very good relationship with previously. Yeah. I was a very analytical thinker, an engineer, uh, you know, problem solver, very rational and uh, all of a sudden, I, I was able to, to almost have a dialogue or, like I said, a relationship with a, a part of my mind that I had not really had before. Hmm. And, and so I, I guess in summary is that everybody has that intuitive side of themselves, and it's just a matter of acknowledging it and developing a relationship with it, and then utilizing it, because it can be very valuable information that one can get. You know, those gut hunches, that little voice that talks to you, that intuitive uh, uh, information that, that comes. Now, when, uh, when you get asked to do remote viewing and, and asked to, uh, to give your views on something, are you talking to people in the meantime? Are you standing in a room? Are you sitting down? What are you, What exactly? Uh, describe to us, please, um, how can one visualize what you're actually doing as you are doing remote viewing? Well, that's a terrific question, Jacobus. Uh, the way I was taught and the way that the, uh, the government remote viewing per, uh, program worked is that you were put in a, a kind of like a little a, a cubicle, kind of like an office uh, cubicle, where mm -hmm. you have the the little uh, you know barriers. And for us, everything was very 
uh, subdued. It was uh, a really, I, I, I would call it uh, a quiet environment, you know, acoustic tiles, uh, you know, kind of a, a gray, uh, you know, no vibrant colors. It was, it was really, you know, a calming environment. Mm. And the idea there was to allow people to, you know, be, you know, calm and be able to do the remote viewing uh, uh, technique. To kind of become as neutral as possible. Exactly. Not have any kind of distractions. Uh-huh. We were given a, a pad of white paper. Mm-hmm. It didn't even have lines on it. Uh-huh. A black pen. We weren't even allowed to use a, a, a colored pen. Mm-hmm. The session would start with a, you know, some breathing and some calming techniques to get really, you know, centered and, and clear. You kind of want to uh, turn off that internal chatter, that internal dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, of the, the cognitive reasoning mind. And you turn that off, you get ready to, to go to work. You're given a, a target coordinate. And that coordinate happens to be just a, a number. Uh, that is associated at some level with the target you're, you're supposed to uh, glean information about. So what, whatever the target is, so they don't say this is a birth date, they don't say this is a serial number, they don't say this is a whatever, they just give you a number. That's exactly correct. Huh. There's no association. You have no idea ahead of time what it is that you're actually targeting, what it is that you're trying to glean information about. And that's called uh, remote viewing blind and that is actually easier than if you know what the target is ahead of time and there may be there'll, there'll be at least one remote viewer and there may be a team of, of up to 10 uh-huh. and then there'll be at least one what's called a monitor during the session the mm-hmm. monitor is the one that will you know give out the target and he will actually, during the course of the session, may direct your attention to different aspects that you've, you've seen in the target. Does every person have a monitor? Does one person for everybody there, who is the viewer? Who are it, the viewers? Either way. Oh. Uh, the way that we worked, sometimes there would be a couple monitors in the group. The class that I was in, I think there were seven people. And we had... Uh, I think three instructors. So sometimes we'd have just one monitor and two instructors just watching. And mm. sometimes we'd have, mm-hmm. you know, three different monitors. And most of the time, the monitor is also unaware of what the target is. All that they know are those numbers. Mm-hmm. But on some level, there's a connection between the target and those numbers. So a double blind session would be both the monitor and the viewer have no idea what the target is. Mm-hmm. And you start out very simply where you draw what's called an ideogram, which is a small little, almost like a little scribble. Okay. And you just allow your body, allow your body to function and to make that squiggle the way it wants to. You don't force it, you don't think about it, you just do it, okay? Then you start probing that little squiggle and you ask what I call binary questions hard, soft, and you get uh, yes-no responses. Hmm. Very similar to kinesiology. I don't know if you've ever had yeah. a, someone who's a kinesiologist on the yes. show. Mm-hmm. Where in kinesiology, you, you make a statement, and based upon the truth of that statement, the body responds uh, either 
with a strong response, a healthy response, or a weak response. And that response can actually be measured. It's kind of like a galvanic skin response, almost like, almost like a lie detector. Uh, you can di distinguish between a, tr a true statement and a false statement. Okay. And so you're kind of doing the same thing in re remote viewing. It's a combination of automatic drawing and kinesiology is so the way does, I would describe it. So does your pen stay on the paper when you're kind of asking these questions and then the pen starts making certain signs or you take the pen off the paper? You take the pen off it. You, you know, you do the... You do the little ideogram, you probe it, you know, you touch the ideogram and ask it, uh, okay. is this uh, living, uh, inert, uh, hard, soft, wet, warm, cold? You ask all these, these binary questions, and, and the immediate response that you get, that first little inkling, is the intuition. Okay, and then you there write it down? And you write it down. You create a matrix of data. The... The intuitive mind has is the first thing to respond to a question. In fact, sometimes it actually responds before the question is actually posed. That's true. And I'll talk about that. And there's about a, a, a two or three second gap between that intuitive information that comes in and before the rational cognitive thinking mind steps in and starts analyzing that. Mm -hmm. And so you want to get that pure intuition before you start making deductions and before you start thinking. I because see. the intuition is usually much more accurate than our imagination. When we jump to con conclusions and deductions, that tends to be our imagination and it's information is based upon our memory or what we think it is. Correct, That's correct. not intuition. It limits us, right. It limits mm -hmm. us. And, you know, let me, let me talk about an experiment that, that's done that... Uh, shows that the, you know, the kind of that intuition is a actually takes place almost before a question is posed. Okay. And that has to do with a, an experiment that's done where the galvanic skin response is measured of a subject, and the subject is exposed to pictures on a computer screen, some of those pictures being emotionally shocking, whether violent or pornographic. And monitoring when the body responds it actually responds before the picture shows up on the screen really so the so at some level the body knows what that next picture is going to be hmm. and that is intuition that's that insight that comes before we actually see the picture and we start start making conclusions about it Wow. So there's, you know, that's just an example, and that's a repeatable experiment. Huh. Sometimes I, partners have it that somebody is going to ask a question, and you already know what's going to going to be asked. Or what right. The, and then I'd have it with my wife, and then I say, I think, uh, I think I'm picking up on your thoughts, and she says, No, I think I'm picking up on your thoughts. Right. And I'm th saying it. Yeah, so I, I had that like, exact same. I'm not going. When she says that, I'm not going to dispute it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I had that exact. And that's same. from experience. <laughs> Yeah, just just uh, it was either last night or the day before. I had the exact same conversation with my wife. Yeah, that we both uh, were thinking about the same thing at the same time, and I was trying to figure out who who was uh, who came up with it first and who was tapping into the other's thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is uh, this is fascinating. This is a. Uh 
This is a lot of information. So the you you have the squiggle. I know we're coming really close here to the commercial break. Um, uh, already. Yeah. Boy, the first time goes one. by fast. I know. Time <laughs> does go by fast. Well, I, I when we come back, I, I want to kind of uh, connect this here with your your connection with Diane yes. and how we how you got to know her. And I know that obviously because of the training that you have had uh, with remote viewing, at uh, number one, I I know you personally that you already had an interest in in things that we don't always grab mentally mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time so your training has been amazing and I think that that has led you also to Diane in your life uh, to, to, to pick your brain and to get your experiences about certain things that will maybe that, that, that complement this right? Correct. So well, well let's talk about it when we come back and Gesundheit with Jacobus will be right back please stay tuned. Kyle and Diane, thanks so much for being here today. It's great. And uh, Kyle, we were just talking about, you explained about the remote viewing. And somehow your work with remote viewing, your interest in remote viewing, and what it has done for you in your life somehow led you to Diane. Can you explain us a little bit what happened? <laughs> okay. Uh, let me just kind of wrap up what I was talking about. I, I monopolized that first half hour, so we want to get to Diane. But we were talking about uh, the coordinate remote viewing that I learned and was mm -hmm. trained in. It was a government program. It's kind of like intuition on training wheels. They're very structured. And what I talked about with the ideograms and the, the drawing and the, the probing and the kinesiology and the binary questions, uh, binary just means yes, no. That is basically just phase one out of five phases of a remote viewing session. And you, the, you've eventually get to a more detailed drawing and it helps to have some artistic talents we were talking about over the break that uh, yeah, I'm not a very good uh, artist or very good drawer and that that was a little bit limiting so I knew what I wanted to draw I just had a hard time drawing it so let's get to to Diane and and how uh, how I met her was I actually saw an ad or I didn't see it I guess it was my wife that saw an ad a two-for-one special to have a session, <laughs> a session with Diane and my wife and, and I, we both love a bargain. <laughs> and and uh, I had been uh, kind of needling my wife about uh, the legacy of her father's artwork that I didn't feel that uh, things were being done to, to honor his legacy. Harry Bertoia, my, my wife's uh, father was a uh, fairly famous sculptor but he also was a printmaker and what's interesting is when we did have a session with diane uh some of the questions that my wife asked was you know how best to preserve uh her father's uh legacy and what did what did harry want and harry is deceased diane's a medium maybe she can glean something from you know the from from harry himself of uh you know how he wanted to best uh preserve his art or, or deal with his artistic legacy and of course when you you tell a wife these things that you know I, i'm concerned about uh, your father's legacy you know she wants confirmation you know usually a, a spouse uh <laughs> for some reason why <laughs> when you tell your spouse to to do something they they want to hear it from someone else also yes. to mm -hmm. kind of confirm that mm -hmm. and that's exactly what we got from diane it was really fascinating in that uh we got information that 
was things that my wife had not considered that some of the things that that Harry uh, was concerned about was the preservation of his print work, you know, not just his sculptures mm-hmm. or sculptures that that we had kind of overlooked that. Mm-hmm. And it was very valuable, both in confirmation and in the details of the information that we got from Diane. Mm. And so I was favorably impressed and I thought, wow, you know, this you know this is this is unique and rare that uh, you come across someone that that has you know these abilities and my wife was also we have you know seen other people and and have not you know not been as favorably impressed and so I thought wow you know Diane is someone that would be great to have on Jacobus's show mm. she's the real deal yeah and when we had a meeting with uh, was very we, nice. we had a, we had a meeting with uh, with Jacobus and I think he was also uh, favorably impressed. Uh, we were, you know, discussing some of his uh, maybe his future 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 plans, plans and business mm-hmm. plans, and and it was also confirmation. Yes, and helpful information, mm-hmm. detailed. Very much so. And one thing that I thought Diane was really uh, interesting that you said, uh, the less information you give me, the better it is, the easier it is. Can yeah. you explain us to us, please? Yeah. Um, Oftentimes people want to come in and tell their story, which is great, but it tends to muddy the waters with respect to how intuition works. And the more I hear about their story, the more of my analytical mind that comes forward to answer a question. And that's probably one of the biggest obstacles in terms of using your intuition is your analytical mind taking over and so if i can simply connect or unsimply however some people might want to look at it if if i can simply connect with your guides and your higher self that is going to be the purest and cleanest information that that will come forth rather than me looking at the story and then becoming empathetic which is always a good thing but not necessarily in an intuitive session correct correct right so, uh, in in for example, in Harry's case, um, you did you just say give me the name and that's it, and then whatever came to your mind there was something that you worked with, or did they actually give you more information about him? Uh, Harry popped in, if I if I remember right, he just kind of popped in, and I sometimes I can get names and sometimes I can't, but oftentimes I will get a. a not necessarily an image, a knowingness of what that person looked like. And so I will say there is a deceased person here. There, This is their energy pattern, or this is kind of what they look like. But let me, let me step back for just a second here. Um, Kyle and his wife walked in, and they sit down, and at that point you feel the presence of a deceased person. Had they already given you a name at the time? Did they say, we like to talk about mm-hmm. this person? Or did you say, this is interesting, as you enter the room, the session, yeah, this is what happened. So without them even saying anything, that's my of? recollection of that particular reading. That I, I don't believe I was given a name okay. in that in that particular session. And that's the other thing is it's hard to recall what happens in from session to session because you're sort of in a mini mini meditative mode, and so. Um, for whatever reason, you tend to flush that information after the after time goes by. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, do you recall, Kyle? Well, I remember some of the th- the information that she gleaned about Harry was a description of his personality mm. that was uh, very accurate. Uh, Harry had a 
you know, very dominant personality traits as uh, a, a sculptor. He was, he was very prolific, the amount of artwork that he generated. Yeah. And Diane was able to, to tune into that. And not just Harry, who is deceased, but also uh, Celia's brother, who is, you know, presently living and, and one that is more actively involved with uh, Harry's uh, legacy. Oh, okay. And, and glean information about his personality uh-huh. that is very different than Harry's. Yes. But her, inf- her insight was, was fairly accurate. It was ra- rather impressive. Right. So can I, can I imagine this as saying uh, maybe that Harry wanted Celia to come and Kyle to come to you, kind of? He was guiding them, and then he, his presence was felt in the room as they walked in right away? I would say that's probably what happened, mm. at least partly. I think that we connect with energies, whether, whether the physical body is alive or not. I believe that we can connect with those energetic patterns where somebody really has a message that they want to bring forward. Mm. And uh, one of the things that is interesting about medium work, which is slightly different than traditional intuitive work, is Mm -hmm. that um, sometimes people will come in and sometimes they will not. Mm -hmm. Um, So as another intuitive put it, it's like dialing somebody up on the phone. Oftentimes people will say, well, I want to connect with my deceased son. Can you do that? And, well, it it's really hard to say because it's like dialing them up on the phone. And if they're there, they're there. And if they're not, they're not. Mm. I find it's better not to know if somebody's actually looking to communicate with a deceased mm. loved one. Talking about the phone. Actually, somebody just did Someone dial in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good morning, Carla. Thanks for joining the show. What's your name and how can we help you, please? This is a no-brainer. Oh. <laughs> hey, Daniel, good morning. Yeah, I think I'll just pop in with this. It's like a two-headed question, so either one of them can handle this. Uh, now, since I've been having trouble with my right brain, which is supposed to be the intuitive, big-picture, emotionally-oriented part of the mind mechanism, I'll ask a question about these reoccurring headaches that I'm getting in the right side of my head. Although they've, like, diminished in intensity especially since I got off pharmaceuticals, I still get like energy discharges in my right brain side. There have been numerous theories about what's happening, but I had a CAT scan and it's nothing obviously medical like a tumor. Now, it might be that the little guy, uh, as I've been calling my right brain, my little guy is having something ominous or thinking something ominous is gonna happen in the big picture. Or uh, there could be the question, is my right brain is a little guy picking up on something from somewhere else, some metaphysical area about uh, an ominous future or somebody's trying to contact me? Or, so there's the open-ended question. Well, thanks, Daniel. All right. Uh, you want to stay on the up? phone? No, you can stay on the phone. Okay, I'll wait. Who wants to talk? I'm going to let you talk first because I'm still trying to get a hit on him. What's your... Daniel. Daniel. Okay, Daniel. Uh, yeah, I'll let Diane intuit uh, some things, but I'm going to I'll speak from a uh, more pragmatic, practical standpoint here. Uh, I would address uh, food allergies, and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and also uh, yeah, even Chuck's nodding his head. Chuck is very intuitive, <laughs> and he knows it. <laughs> and he knows it. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would address, you know, try and narrow down what triggers the actual headaches and 
maybe some food allergies that, that have to do with that, or the timing of when you eat, you know, not eating frequently enough. Hmm. Do you have any comments, Jacobus? Well, Do well, I have any comments? No, I would like Daniel, Daniel to say something. Right, well, up. yeah, that rings a bit. Not eating frequently enough. One time I uh, said on this program, since everybody parrots the idea, eat a good breakfast, I've been doing just the opposite, waiting till 10 or 11 in the morning for decades. Mm. But that, that may have been the wrong delivery for my body, and it may be uh, reacting now. That That's... Well, never noticed any food allergies. I'm a pretty tough guy. I, I, that one doesn't ring as much a bell as not eating mm -hmm. uh, regularly. Mm. Do, do they well, seem I, to come in in the morning when you've you've you know after not eating all night long and then delaying your breakfast? Well, I haven't been delaying any longer, but do say, uh, boy, these humans waste a lot of time eating these breakfasts. Usually, got out and did my labor. I, I can relate to that. Eating, uh, you know, I was eating, so it takes up so much time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Daniel, the thing that I'm picking up on for you is that, and it does tie into what Kyle is saying, is that it seems to me like your histamines are um, slightly elevated at times, and oftentimes we think we don't have an allergy when we've taken uh, traditional means to to determine whether or not allergies are present. And I'm a big advocate of um, naturopathic medicine. They use different, typically different types of um, of testing to determine whether or not you are allergic to a particular thing. And so that would be my suggestion is to perhaps visit with a naturopathic physician who can help you determine what it is that's kind of throwing you off balance. Uh -huh. The other thing that came up for you and along the lines of this question is um, I'm using some oracle cards today by Sonia Choquette, and they're called the Soul Oracle Cards. Uh, what your guides would ask you to do is to take a moment or two to touch base with your spirit and to start loving your spirit as it is and accept what your spirit is giving to you. And um, perhaps that will help to normalize things that are going on for you from an emotional perspective. And um, along that line as well, I believe that there's something that's happening in your life where if you took a step back to look at the big picture instead of being in the moment so tightly that you can't see the forest for the trees, that you might be able to get some additional information that would be helpful for you to move forward. Mm. hope I'm loving the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I would say your own internal spirit as well. Remember that your soul exists. One of the things that I'm a huge advocate of is balance between body, mind, and spirit without actually being very cliche. And uh, if, if a person comes in for a session, we can go further into balancing body, mind, and spirit. Uh, I was working with a client the other day, and she said, but I'm doing this for my body, and I'm eating well, and I'm exercising. And I said, but what about your spirit? What are you doing for your spirit? You know, are you taking quiet time during the day, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes to take quiet time to check in with your own spirit? Um, it's very helpful to, like I say, normalize your overall perspective on life. Yeah, here's what, came, here's what came to me, Daniel. Okay. Maybe it's time to just be a little more instead of do so much. Yeah, I'm a, a strong thinker, so I... Do, do I, much or think much? energy discharges that come through my brain might be just overthinking. Yeah, I just relax, lighten hyper. up a little. Yeah. 
Take that energy and just pass it through your feet into the ground. Oh. Yeah, there you go. I, I, when I do um, grounding sessions with people, I always say pretend like you have root, roots growing out the bottom of your feet. When the roots grow out the bottom of your feet, then Mother Earth energy can come up through those roots to help to stabilize and take the type of energy that you no longer need with you. Sometimes we take on energy that doesn't serve our highest good, and to discharge that into Mother Earth, she'll take it, transmute it, and help you to feel much better. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Well, thanks for the call, Daniel. Yeah. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, too. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, all all the best to you. Have a great Sunday. We have another caller on hold. Caller, thanks for joining us today. Your name and how can we help you? Good morning. This is Jesse. Hello, Jesse. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Jesse, I want to let you know that we are coming really close here to a uh, to the news okay. and so um i want to know if you want to call us back if okay. you want to stay on the phone either way whatever your choice is i think it will be safest so that you have a chance to explain your story um that we come that we we deal with it as we come back okay is that okay do you want to hang on the line and, and sure okay we'll do that thank, thank you so you. much jesse and I hope you stay with us. It's going to be great. I, I want you to stay with us <laughs> because it's going to be great. We will be right back. We do have a caller on hold. Caller, good morning, Jesse. You're still good with morning. us? Yeah, yes, good I'm morning. Still there. Uh, well, thanks for waiting, uh, Jesse. Well, thanks for this opportunity. And I'm wondering if she can tell me what's going on uh, physically. Physically, let me see here. That's going to take a moment. So, so we uh, shall we talk about something else while you're doing some work? Yep. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, right. Jesse, it's okay. Uh, Diana's working on you, okay. and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna leave you where you are, and then Carla Nick, uh, Carla Nick, <laughs> that's Dutch. <laughs> hey, that's Dutch actually. <laughs> Carla and I, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about remote viewing. Okay. Uh, uh, what we'll do is we'll do it this way, since people are listening in anyway. Kyle really wants to explain a little bit about the history of remote viewing. Okay. And a fascinating story. And when Diana's ready, we'll jump on Diane. And I mean, we won't jump on Diane, but we'll, we'll go back to Diane. <laughs> Take a little bit. The coffee is kicking in. <laughs> well, anyway, Kyle, you were explaining us a little bit about uh, the history of remote viewing. And uh, right. that is fascinating stuff. Uh, please uh, yes, share with our listeners. It's a little known chapter in, in the history of our, our country. And they're, they're actually... I th- I think there was a TV show, it may have been a Nova PBS special that came out uh, back in the mid-90s when the remote viewing program was canceled and declassified. But just to give you a brief synopsis of the history, there was some remote viewing and intuition experiments being done at uh, SRI, the Stanford Research Institute, back in the early 70s. And that caught the attention of the, the government and the, the, the CIA and the, the military, because at the, at the time we were in the, uh, the Cold War, mm. and we were also aware that the, the Soviet Union was employing psychics to spy on us. And our first concern was uh, threat assessment. You know, what could they see? And so the first targets that uh, our rem- domestic remote viewing team looked at were targets within the United States just to see if they could what they could see 
that possibly the, the, the Soviet Union could see. Hmm. And they came out and you know found that uh, they could they could uh, they could see just about anything they wanted that that nothing was a secret. Wow! And so the uh, the military became quite interested in it and started utilizing them to look at targets outside the United States. And one of the most uh, famous and successful cases was when a Soviet bomber. I think this was in the uh, the mid '70s. It was under the when Jimmy Carter was president during the Carter administration. A Soviet bomber crashed in Africa, and we were very interested in getting to the crash site and retrieving sensitive information there and learning something about the technology that the Soviets had before the Soviets would get there and retrieve their own thing. And I think there was also nuclear uh, warheads on board, and we definitely wanted to get to there get to it first. Right. And when a remote viewing team was able to pinpoint it, and we were able to get to it first. Amazing. It was amazing. And that team was actually, you know, given some some sort of honor by Jimmy Carter for the success in that mission. And later, after his presidency, I think Jimmy Carter was speaking at some university, which past presidents do quite often. Right. And he was posed the question, what was one of the most amazing things that you witnessed during your presidency? And he related the story of the remote viewing team able to pinpoint that uh, wow. down Soviet aircraft and being able to retrieve it. Huh. So that's just one one incident, but uh, they they were used uh, throughout the the seventies and the eighties and up until uh, De- Desert Storm, the mm. first. Uh, Desert uh, Storm in nineteen ninety. Yeah, in, in the early nineties, uh, the when Iraq invaded Kuwait to target different military sites. And they also, during the Reagan administration, it was u- used to pinpoint Gaddafi in Libya. Really? And we actually went in there and tried to take him out. And I think we came very close and actually did. Uh, well, we scared him enough that he said, that's it. <laughs> yeah, right. But then after the Cold War ended in the mid 90s uh, actually the cold war basically was con- you know most people considered it over in their early 90s uh by the time the mid 90s came around uh, the the general philosophy had shifted that we thought we had no enemies in the world and we didn't need a spying program huh. and so both the you know physical spying program and the remote viewing spying program well, were eliminated, were stopped, and the the intelligence community was, you know, cut way back, you know, kind of defunded. And so in the mid-90s, the, the program was ended and declassified. Hmm. So that's a, a brief history. I think well, we're, I think Diane's ready here, so. Diane has something to say. Uh, Jesse, uh, you're still with us. I am. All righty. Okay, Jesse. <clears throat> so what I do, what I was doing while they were talking is, um, getting a sense of what's happening with you energetically mm-hmm. and uh, I f- and so affirm or not and a psychic is never a hundred percent always mm-hmm. um, what I feel around is your right shoulder uh, and this could actually be in your right lung is there anything going on in the right shoulder or the lung mm-hmm. the right shoulder and and the right part of my neck okay I had a, I had a pinched nerve and it continues to 
flare up sometimes. Okay. Okay. So I'm just going to leave that there and make sure just so we can weed out stuff that doesn't belong. The other thing is, is I feel a lot of energy in your solar plexus, which is the uh, chakra that is concerned with um, uh, power action, those kind of things, which is just below and in between your lungs, just below your sternum. Okay. And the sense that I was getting is it seems to me that that there might be a little bit of anxiousness going on with you, and that could be something that is with you often, or it might be just because you're calling into the radio show. No, Can, it's, it's prevalent. <laughs> okay. It's not a, a big deal, but I'm aware that it's suddenly there a lot of times. Okay. And what I get from that is it's, it feels to me that it makes you excessively tired, fatigued. I, that was the first thing that came up for me is you seem fatigued. Oh, okay. It's a busy weekend with a lot of family stuff, so yeah. usually I'm not fatigued, but I might be physically fatigued, but my mental doesn't acknowledge it. Okay, okay. So so in acknowledging that, I would suggest caring for yourself. One of the things that comes up as a really good tool for you okay. uh, in terms of cleansing is it seems that hydrotherapy works well for you. Whether that means sitting in the hot springs or taking a nice mineral bath at home, but just to nurture yourself. Okay. And one of the things that your guides would ask you to do is um, perhaps that you protect yourself an awful lot from what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. And, and in some sense, that perhaps puts you in a sense of denial. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So take what's happening in your life and accept it for what it is, okay. is what your guides are asking you to do. Mm. Okay. That'd be good. <laughs> That's one of the hardest things to do, I know. I hide out at home a lot because I like being home. Yeah. But it, it, there's more than that. Right, right. I think that we as we as a culture are coming back to a bigger sense of community, mm-hmm. and um, which we've kind of dismissed for a while, and I think we're all yearning to get back into that sense of community and connectedness. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that seems to be a bit of um, uh, an obstacle for you is your ability to tune out the distractions that are around you, which might be part of wanting to stay home quite as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And maybe going out into public actually presents um, difficulty from the fact that there's so much stimuli coming in into your world that it becomes hard for you to be out in the world. Does that make some sense? Sometimes it is, especially when things are... Uh, People are mean to each other and all that. Right, right. And so what I say is just put some love into that because I think that that'll help to move you along because if you get out into the world, there's a gateway that's opening up for you in your life. Oh, okay. And um, by not getting out into the world, you're not going to be able to see what that gateway is. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. And finally, um, one of the things that I think that happens with you is that you think that reaching for the stars is for everybody else, that perhaps you're not worthy of getting all that you deserve in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. And and I believe that the universe is always telling us that we are definitely, um, all people deserve abundance, mm-hmm. including ourselves. So just make sure that you realize exactly how important you are to the world so that you can reach for the stars and get what you want out of life, even from a material perspective. Does that make sense? Sure. It, it's like uh, I want to give what I have. You know, like I'm, I'm 72 and I've accumulated a lot of wisdom and a lot of um, studies and all. Right. And I do need to 
make a, a way for to give what I have. Uh huh. Yeah. Now, regarding your your uh, shoulder problem, does it bother you most? Is that the thing that bothers you most? Um, usually, if I overdo in the yard or something, or I sit and ride a long time. Okay. But the but the, my concern is with my head too. I've had a dizzy spell, and that was a concern. Right. And have you have you sought any medical attention for that? I'm going to. Okay. And I have kept up my blood work and all that Okay. over time. I'm wondering if the tension in your neck isn't causing some um, inability for the blood to flow properly, very simply. Oh, could be. Okay. Could cause that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Well, thanks for calling. Well, thank you. That's very helpful. Thanks. Thank you, Jesse. Have a wonderful mm-hmm. Sunday. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. I was going to ask you, Diane, can you tell us a little bit when this started for you? When when did you discover that uh, you can do this? Uh, what happened in your life, etc.? Mm-hmm. The discovery point is hard to pinpoint because I, I believe that the gift has been f- there for me all of the time, mm. from the time I was a little girl. But I became more interested in developing it when I was 20, developing it from a perspective of of practicing. Like Kyle was saying, you, you really have to practice something like this to um, <clears throat> become become adept at it. And so when I was 20, I started doing a lot of spiritual studies. And in all of that, I was, I was learning that you have to find ways to be quiet, to clear your mind, to get the cobwebs out. And through quiet time, what I call quiet time, and other people might call meditation, is when, um, especially if you're looking for answers to very big questions, it's easy for the universe to come in and just give you the knowledge that you need at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people will ask in a session, well, how do you get the information? Because there are several ways to get the information. You could be claircognizant, which uh, that's what I am primarily is claircognizant. And that means just simply that you know. Uh, for whatever reason, you just know something about somebody. And for example, with... Um, our last caller, Jesse. Jesse, yes, I, I can feel energy, and I could feel that there were particular thing. There was a particular type of energetics going on around her shoulder. So that's more of a clairsentient thing. Um, there's clairvoyance where you actually see in your mind little movies that might be going on, and clair uh, audience, which means that you can actually hear things going on, mm-hmm. little voices in your head, um, not the. Not the mentally ill type, but um, you can hear things going on. You hope. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some people might say differently for me. But, um, uh, and one of the things that uh, also comes up in terms of readings is that sometimes information will resonate with somebody right away. Sometimes it will take a while for that information to present itself. And sometimes the information never resonates with a person. But it really ties into what's happening at that moment in time for that particular person. Because the paths that we create for ourselves for ourselves uh, can diverge depending on what goes on and how we develop ourselves mm. and and act and how we act within our life um, from moment to moment so but when as you say you you know that you have had this all your life, but the only way to know that you have something special is when somebody tells you, mm-hmm. wait a second, what you're doing is that's out of the ordinary, so right. to say. 
how did this happen? Was it one of your parents, or was it one? Of, did you have siblings who said something, or what? Mm -hmm. Do other people in your family have the same gift? Yes, I would say that my my sister, that's just. 13 months older than I is very intuitive except she doesn't say that she is and my mother is very intuitive as well and again she wouldn't say that she is but she's got a, a really keen sense of what's going on with people mm. and uh, especially when tragedies seem to be happening that seems to be her gift of being able to connect with that and so what I did to determine whether or not it's real because I too have a very analytical mind I was trained as a microbiologist and so we are trained to be very logical in the sciences and so I had to actually find ways to affirm that what I was getting was right or mm. that I was off base mm. and so I've worked uh, with Doreen Virtue who happens to be a relatively well-known um, author that does angel therapy and it was a part of my path in terms of acknowledging that my gift was there and also affirming that the information that I got was correct mm-hmm mm -hmm. And I also worked with an energy healer, same kind of affirmation for me, who um, <clears throat> we worked tandem. And the information that we would oftentimes get would be, if not um, complementary, exactly the same. Yeah. But it just seems interesting that if, if something that's so natural to you, you wouldn't think twice about, you know, I'm different than anybody else. You understand right. what I'm saying? Absolutely. So... But so, and then once you really learned about this, you decided to, I need to do more studying now and I need to fine tune mm -hmm. my skills. Right, mm. right. Interesting. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Your name and how can we help you, please? Good morning, everyone. Hey. Um, one of the things that I've had difficulty with is unresolvable stresses or long term ongoing <laughs> problems that don't appear to have a solution. Okay. And uh, I don't know how how you fix something that, for all intents and purposes, is unresolvable. Mm -hmm. I've I've watched my significant other go through extreme trauma for almost seven years now, mm -hmm. and it's really beaten us down. It's almost like there's emotional vampires out there that constantly uh, mm -hmm. interfere with any productive efforts we might be involved in. Mm -hmm. Okay. So would you like me to address that question? Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to get my hope back, my faith back that things can be resolved and get better. Okay. Will you tell me your first name? Maxim. Okay, Maxim. I'm going to start with an unintuitive comment. <clears throat> I, I want to jump in before you make a comment. Uh, we are coming close to, again, to a break, Maxim. If necessary, will you please hang on, Maxim? Okay. And, and I know there is a caller on the other line, too, and so we asked the other caller, either to call us back right after the break because we're first going to deal with Maxim. You can stay on the line if uh, if you make sure that you're quiet. So, Maxim, that's, that's what we're going to do. But if you want to make a comment, Diane, first mm -hmm. we have about uh, 20 seconds. Okay, very quickly. I believe that sometimes uh, what prevents us from moving through a particular issue is that we have blockages in our energetics. And so the first step to getting to the end of this, or even to the middle of this, is to pull yourself out of the energetics and not play into the whole game of what's going on. Not that it's a game in that you're having fun, but pull yourself off of the field for a moment or two. and. I can get back to that in a minute. 
few minutes. Okay. We'll do that, Maxim. Okay. Thank you. All right. We will be right back. All right, Maxim, uh, we are going to go back to Maxim first. Uh, thanks for holding on there. And uh, Diane, you uh, you did some work on Maxim uh, yeah. during the break. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the first thing that I pick up on from your energetic form is that your your energy feels a bit like a magnet to me. And what that means is it, it's a big possibility that you tend to pull a lot of everything into your your field of energy. Does that make any sense to you at all? I used to work in all mediums. From you, you, are, you are breaking up, Maxim. I with energy on many levels, including solar, wind power. and Well, I used to get involved with all kinds of things like that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you feel that that affected your energetic field for long term? Um, I used to brag that I could fix anything but a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And ironically, I ended up surrounded by a couple. Hmm. And one of them was mine. I used to be able to work in any medium. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel like like uh, I've been totally shut down and, and hopeless sometimes. Mm-hmm. What I'm getting for you is that I went ahead and drew some cards for you as well. And the first card that came up for you is all things in moderation. So it might be that you tend to be on the extreme ends of what's happening with you personally, politically, um, any aspect of your life. Does that make some sense to you? Yes, especially when it comes to things that affect my wife and, and her okay. emotions. Okay. Well, and, and one of the things that would be very helpful for you is to learn to separate your energetic from that of other people, no matter who those people are. Because once we start taking on the energies of, of other people, we're really no longer helpful to them any longer. Mm. Um, we Because... The, if we're here to truly help somebody, if your energetic becomes part of their energetic, then your vibration isn't resonating at your authentic level. Does that make any sense to you? Kind of. I know it seems a little abstract, but uh, so the first thing that I would suggest to you from an intuitive perspective is to extricate your energetic pattern from that of other people around you. And that that kind of stuff can be better dealt with in a in a real session where we have time to work with you specifically, because if you can do that, then your life is be- going to become a little more more fertile. Um, the other thing that I feel that that really contributes to what you what's happening with you is that you found yourself in a rut, and that doesn't take an intuitive to tell you that. It's it's obvious from what you're telling me, and so what the cards are saying is just move out of that. Try to find a way to just move out of the rut above where you're at right now so that your life can flow a little bit better because right now the waters just aren't even moving at all. Um, and what your guides are asking to you to do is to actually shine your soul light a little more brightly allow that to shine through and when you start extricating your energy from that of other people's that's when your soul can actually shine at its brightest and you can live your life at its fullest well i appreciate you taking the time and i'm going to compl- uh, contemplate everything you've said and uh by the way that bumper music was so fitting coming back from the break 
Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You'll enjoy the week. Well, yeah. thanks, Maxim, and all the best to you. Thank you. You uh, listen as you listen to Diane and as you listen to Kyle. Uh, you want to contact uh, these two wonderful people after the program. Uh, make sure you write down these numbers. Um, Diane, both of them have a prefix, a prefix of four zero six for Montana. And then for Diane, it is 580-2893, 580-2893. And for Kyle, it is 587-8297, 587-8297. Uh, it's good to have you all with us. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus, and uh, we have another caller on hold. Caller, thanks for staying with us here. Good morning. Your name, please. How can we help you? Hi, this is Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Um... I was wondering, uh, I thought I heard that one of you does mediumship, is that right? Yes, Carrie, that's me. That, I'm Diane. Hi, Diane. Hi. Um, I was wondering if there was a way of uh, getting a message. There was, there was uh, my late husband used to come on Jacobus' show, um, and the morning he was supposed to come on Jacobus' show, he died. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if if there's a way that you could, you can retrieve any messages from the other side that way. Okay. His um, name was Tom Erickson. Tom Erickson. Okay. Let me take a moment to do that. See if the, see if he'll show up real quick. And then okay. Tom, so Carl and I talk yeah. about something else in the meantime. Is that sure. okay, Carrie? We will put you on hold, Carrie. That's all right. I will put Thank your you. volume down, and then we'll we'll work on that. Okay, Kyle, uh, we obviously, you have done a lot of work with, um, uh, with remote, view. you have, you started this remote viewing and, and maybe, you know, we can combine, we don't just have to abstract of to, to go just to remote viewing if there is something that you want to share with us about intuition and your history. And, and I know that we talked about remote viewing, how it started and how it even was used during the first Gulf War. What is What can people do if they want to know more about remote viewing besides oh, calling you? That's a great question. If they have access to the internet. Because you mentioned that it was actually canceled during the Clinton years. That's and, correct. And so it's, it's hard for people maybe to find information about this well you know since that time since since it was declassified and no longer a, a secret program there's way more information now than there used to be you know huh. people interesting back in the when it was going on people yeah. didn't know about it makes sense but now all those people that were involved with it they've all kind of started their own schools and are training and writing books and huh. there's a lot of information available huh. in fact some of the the people that I went to school with one of them I know of has started their own school, a, a, a Dr. Simeon Hine in Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. He was one of my fellow students, and we were trained together. And he you know, took off and ran with it and started his own school. But if you just go to the Internet and do a search on remote viewing, there's all kinds of sites. Uh, one of them, a good site, is remoteviewed.com. Remoteviewed. Remoteviewed.com. Okay. That's right. a good starting point. Uh-huh. Uh, if you do a search for Ingo Swan, Hale Putoff, remote viewing, CRV, coordinate remote viewing, TRV, technical remote viewing, any of those topics will, will get you started. Huh. And the actual training manual that was developed for teaching people remote viewing is published and online. And in fact, there's quite a bit of originally classified documentation of 
some of those government remote viewing projects, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. actual paperwork that was generated by remote viewing this target or that target, a lot of that has been declassified mm -hmm. and through the Freedom of Information Act is now on the, on the internet. Some of the sensitive information has been what's called re redacted or, or blacked out. <laughs> and unfortunately, some of it is the, the, the poignant details. <laughs> but there's you know 90,000 pages. It's just a, a tremendous amount of information that has been released by the government. Mm -hmm. And so that's Now, all, and if, if people there. obviously do not have access to the internet, then they can there always are give books. you a call. There, oh, are, books? there okay. are books. One book I know of, well, actually, it's, it's somewhat related. Some books by Rupert Sheldrick. That Sheldrick. Sheldrick, who is a, a researcher, scientist. Mm -hmm. And one of the books is called, uh, let's see, Dogs That Know When Their Masters Are Coming Home, which investigates uh, you know, animal perception, yeah, yeah, yeah. precognitive perception. Another book is The Sense of Being Stared At. <laughs> which is a, an intuitive sense that yeah. most of us have experienced that. We know when yeah. someone's looking at us or if you're just, I like to do this experiment. It's a lot of fun. And right here in town, I, uh. I, I used to live out south of town and I would drive down Kagi Boulevard and there's a lot of people that walk along the sidewalk on, on Kagi. And if you see someone who's kind of in the zone, just marching along, kind of spaced out, if you look at them, chances are that they'll turn around and look at you. Yes. And a way to enhance that is not just look at them, but actually think about them. You know, think about what they're wearing, or maybe they're really cute. And you're like, whoa, you know, a cute gal, and bang, her head will just snap right around. Huh. huh. I've tried it with Chuck, but he keeps looking at the computer. Yes. He's not talking to you right. no more. <laughs> not about the cutie stuff. But <laughs> But hunters also experience that with prey, that if you are actually looking at a, a, a target that you're, you're hunting and you're thinking about you know, this creature that you're about ready to do harm to, uh, they can all of a sudden flee. It's almost like, wait a minute, how did they know I was here? You know? uh, and so there is some kind of connectedness. In remote viewing, one of the models to explain it is that there's really kind of one fabric of mind you know, one global mind, so to speak, mm -hmm. or universal mind, and that our local mind is just kind of a piece of that, that that we can resonate then with the global mind and kind of, it's like a giant network that we can pick up information from or communicate with some other local mind out on the global mind network. Right. And Rupert Sheldrick calls these morphogen, morphogenic fields. Mm -hmm. So that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. I, I guess we better get back to Diane here. Are okay, let's let's do Diane first. Uh, Carrie, uh, Diane has done some work, and uh, let's see what uh, what we where we can go with this. Okay. Okay, Carrie, if you were listening earlier, one of the things that I said is um, bringing uh, deceased energy into a room is oftentimes like dialing somebody up on the phone, and so I'm going to tell you what I got, and then we can um, go from there. The person's energy that I'm getting reminds me of an Einstein-like person. So that would mean pretty smart to me. Somebody, and in some respects, the hair that he was showing me is what brought me to the Einstein-like energy. So maybe not really caring so much about his hair and his appearance as much as some other people might. 
Yes, that would be accurate. Okay, so I can also, vote for that. <laughs> yeah, and he also was uh, more than um, super intelligent. There was a lot of wisdom, a lot uh, of spirituality and wisdom. Yeah, as Einstein was very wise, not only from an intellectual perspective, but from a wise perspective as well. Um, the, I want to know, how many children do you have with him? I don't have any with him, but I'm real close to his daughter, uh, and she considers me mom, and I've got a stepson, and sh- and they have seven children between them, and I have one great-grandchild. Uh, okay, the one he wants to speak about is your youngest child, and he believes that you, you when I say your youngest child Probably together... Kathleen. 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 Um, is what he wants, he says that she needs some encouragement at this stage of her life. Does that make any sense to you? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so um, it might be that she's not necessarily making all of the best choices. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, I'll talk to her more about that. I haven't, I haven't noticed that lately, and we're in touch a lot, but okay. I'll, I'll go for more details. Yeah, and and if it if that doesn't quite resonate with you, it may be that she's on the brink of making a pretty significant decision that will be a life path decision for her. Mm-hmm. And so uh but I also think that she needs some encouragement. Uh she just it doesn't have quite the confidence, I guess, that she needs in order to make the decision on her own. And so she just needs a little bit of boost there. Okay. And if you'd like to know more, too, because oftentimes deceased people will have a lot to say. If you'd like to know more or get you know, more messages from him, I'd suggest just giving me a call and we can do a full reading and see what happens at that point. Okay. Okay. But um, always, they always, they say, you know, we that they love you. The one thing that he talks about, um, I almost forgot about, is does he make his presence known to you? Um if uh, he probably does, and I may not be getting it, he shows me beautiful linens. I don't know if that was a part of your guys's life together, but beautiful linens, mm. and particularly um, not from a nasty perspective, from but from a naughty perspective, but bed sheets. I got. I got some semi-nice ones recently. Ah, okay. So they do. They pick up on these kind of things. I would suggest that he probably meets with you um, to sit on the edge of the bed with you occasionally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have any additional questions? Um, just, uh, well, part of it was just if he's uh, around and if he had any special message for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think the special message comes for you, for you, for Kathleen. Okay. And uh, definitely he's around. And um, I believe that if you call upon the deceased energy that they will show up. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank okay. you for the call, Carrie. All right. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I remember that time when Tom uh, Tom was on the program. He loved the outdoors. He was a uh, he was a man who would go out in the wilderness for two three weeks with just a pocket knife, and he make his own rope from uh, from branches and pull the branches apart to make his own rope. I uh, go out and 
lived really in the wilderness with the animals and uh, and had a lot of respect for Mother Nature. And he would go around and talk about how he made traps and, and how he would uh, check his traps every day and how he would gather wood and food. And, and, uh, and I asked him to come back on the program during hunting season. I thought he might have some great uh, natural uh, outdoor hunting tips for our listeners. And he did, and sadly enough, on that on that night, I got a telephone call like at 3.30 in the morning that Tom had passed away from a heart attack at about 1.30. And uh, so a friend, person we both know, uh, called me up and said, I just need to tell you that uh, Tom just had a heart attack and passed away in the hospital. And so I showed up at 7 o'clock in the morning, and it was kind of a very quiet show, very interesting. And uh, so... That has been several years ago, back in 2001 or so. Anyway, folks, we've got to take a break here. Uh, we're going to be right back with Diane Ferris and Carl Clicker. So stay, thanks for tuning in. We will be right back. Uh, listener uh, number one, we got your microphone propped up. Let's figure out if we got the right person here, Chuck. Uh, what is your name and how can we help you, please? Uh, Kathy. Yes, Kathy. And, and um, excuse, I hope you can understand me. I have laryngitis. Okay. I want to talk to Diane, but first I want to talk to your guest about remote viewing. Yes. About 10 years ago, I, it was about 10 years ago, I read a book on remote viewing written by someone who worked in the government program. Yes. And it was one of the most interesting books, and it, it totally grabbed me, and I totally know that it's real. I would hope that they still practice it in the government because it's probably something that could be extremely utilized right now with everything that's going on with terrorism and all that other stuff, you know? Yeah, I'll I'll address that briefly. Uh, To the best of my knowledge, there is no present remote viewing program in the government or the military uh, for a couple different reasons. Uh, One is that, you know, the the government and the bureaucracy and and the people involved in there, they're a little embarrassed by it. It, there's kind of a, a scientific prejudice against it. So there's opposition from that end that looking into matters that are non-physical, uh, there's just lots of skepticism. And it's an, you know, it's, it's, there's a certain giggle factor, so to speak. And there's also opposition from kind of the religious standpoint, a certain you know, fundamentalist uh, religious uh, prejudice against it lumping that with uh, sorcery or witchcraft, things like that. And so people just don't want to be involved with it because of their careers and the bureaucracy. And and, and I guess a third aspect is that uh, there's a lot of people in the government that uh, are fearful of it because there, in effect, are no more secrets. And a lot of people in the government have certain (laughs) secrets they want to keep secret. I would think that that's not highly intelligent not to utilize it. You would think all guns in a war, and uh, including utilizing intuitive. I would I would agree with you whole, wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, there it was very successful in the past and was used for successful military missions. And it, it currently, you know, from what I understand, is not being used at all. Yeah. And in the whole that whole espionage branch, the CIA, there was a major shift in philosophy in the mid 1990s during the Clinton administration that we really didn't have any foreign enemies. The Cold War was over, 
and that our major concern was, you know, domestic uh, things, you know, d domestic terrorism, the militia, things like that. And the, you know, the, the CIA still has a certain amount of that philosophy. And the present, the present uh, CIA and intelligent branch, intelligence branches are somewhat in opposition and not really working very well with the current administration. And so that has led to a lot of the debacles and current problems with uh, poor intelligence uh, concerning the Middle East and concerning Iraq and has gotten in, into a, you know some some trouble uh, you know that there were certain facets of the military that that uh, were concerned about some of the 9/11 hijackers ahead of time but yet uh, there were you know walls built up about sharing information between different branches of the government and different uh, branches of intelligence and uh, we got bit, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Well, I guess that's an example where lack of open-mindedness actually doesn't save lives that could be saved. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have to but be it, careful about our belief structures and our dogmas because they, <laughs> yeah. they uh, have tremendous impact on, on uh, what happens. Yeah. Do we but, have a question? Uh, yeah, also? for Diane. Yes. Maxim, um, I think I know it you were saying to him, but I'm not sure, and I, um, so what Maxim wasn't saying is that I'm not the only one that's been traumatized. He's been traumatized, granted, in, in the situation connected to me, but I mean, he's been literal, and it's beyond abuse, traumatized, and I think what you were saying, but I'm not sure, and I wanted to check with you, is that um, when something happens, like when I get, for lack of a better way to say it, hit again, by these people. He gets so protective that he practically monitors my heartbeat yeah. as if um, I've had trouble with faith in the last year or two. I always would have had a lot of faith. Kathy? And, uh, uh-huh. Let me let, let me interrupt because I'm what I want to tell you is what I was feeling. I was assuming that you were going to ask me a question. So before you tell the whole story, let me tell you what I felt. Uh -huh. It feels to me like your energetic pattern in its totality has a heartbeat of its own, which and de definitely it should. But the way that your energetic pattern beats is pretty prevalent, um, uh -huh. almost as if there's the, that you're expending an awful lot of energy doing toward things that maybe are more self-destructive than they are constructive. Does that make any sense to you? Um, I've I've been um, reactive. Let's put it that way. Okay, right. And so but when, when to you, real situations, not for no. Right. And all situations, I believe, are real. Um, mm -hmm. how, how much we ramp them up in our mind mm -hmm. then may change the perception of what's going on. Right. And but, so the way that you perceive it could very well be a lot different than the way that I would perceive it. And right. so um, along that line, the other thing that I feel about your energetic pattern is that there's a lot of fear. And what fear feels right. like to me, just so people know, and it feels different for every intuitive that does energy feeling, um, it feels like a person whose leg has gone to sleep. And that fear actually puts forth a lot of blockages in, in terms of moving forward because the more you fear, the more that that energetic pattern is sent out to the universe and the more that that actually comes to fruition. Fear has been a major problem, but it's been realized fears and real fears, not imagined. 
No, and I'm not saying that they're not they're not real. But it's real not helpful you. at any rate. Exactly, exactly. Is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, I mean, on some level, if you know, if you're being chased in the woods by a bear, of course, a little mm-hmm. bit of fear is a good thing because you need to get into that fight or flight mode where you can mm-hmm. actually flight. Well, so. that's kind of what happened. A number of times, I've had to get into that mode for survival, and so is Maxim. And Kathy, this kind of work that you guys are talking about really takes a whole lot more time than what we have right. available on the on the radio. And right. so if you're interested in finding a little bit more out about how to handle this and how we can work energetically together, how about giving me a call and we can set up a session? Does that sound good? Yeah, give the number out. Maxim's at home. Um, he'll write it down. Okay. It's 580 uh, 580- Two eight nine three, five eight zero two eight nine three. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and it's an extremely interesting program. It is, isn't it? I think it's all real. Oh, absolutely. I know a lot of people are skeptics, but anyway, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Kathy. All the best to you. Caller, good morning. Thanks for joining us. What is your name, please? How can we help you? Hello. Hello. We got you now. <laughs> Hi. I didn't know if you were talking to me or not. We're talking to you. Can you hear me now? Uh, yes, I sure can. All right. What is your name, please? My name's Gwenna. Hello, Gwenna. And that's all you want to say. That's uh, good. Gwenna that? Wood. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Wood. No, no, no. I mean, I need the last name, but you were listening, and you said, the less I say, the better it is. <laughs> no, no. Very compliant. Is it Glenna, G-L, or Gwenna, G-W? It's G-L-E-N-N-A. Okay. Oh, hi, Glenna. Hi, how are you? Uh, okay, good. Glenna. Are you good. Calling? Are you calling for Diane or Kyle? Um, or either one? Well, I just got done talking. My friend called me, Carrie Erickson. Oh, hi. And oh. she called me and told me about the show, and uh, I have a lot of problems with physical pain, and we've been trying to figure out what, what the heck we can do. And if you see any... Let's let's do this. Diane, you want to work on this for just a moment, that Kyle and I do a little talk? Sure. I think I have it. You got it? Yeah. All right. Um, Jump right in. Glenna, you're, you're an open book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an open book. Well, <laughs> and what you said to me, what you said to me doesn't necessarily bring me to an intuitive hit. I always say that because a lot of people will say, well, I could have told you that. Right. But, um, right. Have you been, have you been, um, bopping around the diagnosis uh, arena where the do- the doctors are trying to figure it out for you? Oh, yeah. For okay. many years. Many okay. years. And the first thing that, the first hit that I got on this is, and, and sometimes we can help and sometimes we can't, is that there is a neurological f- dysfunction. Okay. Oh, thank you. They just moved my um, microphone. Um, and so what I'm wondering is, is that have they put you into the fibromyalgia but- uh, diagnosis yeah. okay yeah okay and so how do you feel about that diagnosis do you feel like that's definitive enough for you or is that too abstract um well i get one doctor that believes in it i get another doctor that says there's no such thing i get another doctor that you know glenna and glenna what diane is asking what is what do you feel it's not what you hear it is what your intuitive what does your intuition tell you when that you hear, 
that there is you're such at, a thing. That there yeah, is. Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I, I, and that's the sense that I'm getting, too, is that the fibromyalgia is definitely, I think, a valid concern for you. And have you done anything to support yourself from a nutritional or a self-caring uh, yes, perspective? Yeah. And I've done different vitamins. I've done, oh... I've uh, went to, I've had massages, I've had acupuncture, I've um, went and seen regular doctors. Um, I'm under a doctor's care right now. We did injections. Um, I had an MRI done on uh, Friday, and we're hoping to find out more there, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I'm curious, does, is this heat bothering you? Even even more dramatically than it would on an ordinary day. Oh yes, definitely. Okay, and how do your feet feel? Um, tingling. Yeah. Burning. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got it going through my whole body. Not my. Well, I shouldn't say. I mean, I guess I do. It's not just my back. It seems like it's extremely my. It's my neck. I've had three neck surgeries. It's my neck. It's my arms. Charlie horses. It's my back. It's my legs. It's like through my whole system. Okay. And have you seen a naturopathic physician? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. Um, well, what I'm feeling, what I'm feeling, and of course I'm not a doctor, uh, right. is that you're kind of vacillating between two different things. It seems to me you're vacillating between, and maybe have both, a little bit of MS and a little bit of fibromyalgia. Okay. My sense about it is, is that they've done the testing for the MS. Am I right? No, they haven't. Oh, that's, that's pretty surprising, actually. She just had an MRI, so maybe yep. they're picking up on something on the MRI mm. from Friday. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I would, I would actually, you know, pursue that other path as well. The thing that came up for me is exactly what you described in your feet, and that's why I asked you about the sensations that you were having. Mm-hmm. And that seems a little bit uh, along the lines of, of what some people experience with MS as well. Okay. So that, that would be the path that I would try to pursue and see if you can't get some additional information to be more, more supportive of your system. Okay. It seems to me that there is a nutritional um, deficiency, and I can't tell exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more for what a doctor can tell you or a naturopathic physician can tell you. Yeah, I've been doing the original essentials. Um, I've been doing them those vitamins for quite some time now. Are you taking any, uh, Glenna, are you taking any magnesium by itself? Uh, let me, no, I'm not. Okay, well, magnesium, if it is fibromyalgia, one of the things that uh, have been very helpful for people is that, in a way, there are different, uh, there are different uh, theories about what fibromyalgia can be, but one of them could be an aluminum toxicity, and the reason why the aluminum has started to attack the muscles, and that's why you have all these different points in your body, is about 18 different points. And if you have 11 of them, mm-hmm. uh, you heard about those points? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. Yeah. And you have about 11 of those at least that hurt you? Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, inside of the elbows, inside of the knees, uh, up on the top of the shoulder, uh, right. and right above the buttocks. Uh, the chest bone, right to the left and the right of the chest bone, under the chin. Um, if you have those, one of the things that uh, the theory is that it could be an aluminum toxicity, and part of that is that it attacks the muscles, 
And that is because you do not have enough magnesium in the system. And one thing that you could try is uh, malic acid, which you can get in a capsule tablet form and take about 24, 2500 milligrams of malic acid a day. And there is combinations that will give you that. And then get about six to 800 milligrams of magnesium. And you do not want magnesium oxide. You're looking more for magnesium citrate or magnesium glyconate, something of that that form and there are combinations available that specifically are geared towards people with malic acid and so you want to get six to eight hundred milligrams of magnesium which could be about four to eight tablets a day okay Okay. just to let you know you're going to have to look how much it is but what the aluminum does or what the uh, malic acid does it actually takes the aluminum out of the system and 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 brings it out while the magnesium goes back and protects the muscles again okay and so this is something that would help you with a lot of the pain okay. and also with your charlie horses and maybe not sleeping well at night i don't yeah. know if that's another problem yeah. and that is just one thing that i'm thinking about but if you're talking to a naturopath you know you might get some good information and i know we have to go unless there's a closing okay. word that diane has for I you i have a real quick question i have some bio citrate magnesium excellent but there is about uh, there is about 160 milligram per capsule, so you got to take about four to five capsules of those a day. When you get diarrhea, ease off a few capsules. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. Thank you so much. Good luck, Thanks, Lana. Glenna. Thank you. Folks, we will be right back. We appreciate you listening to us. Uh, we have a caller on hold. Couple callers on hold. Caller number one. What is your name, please? How can we help you? Who's caller number one? You are number one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, this is uh, Marion. Hi, Marion. Good morning, everybody. Good, good morning. morning, Kyle and Diane. Morning, Marion. Yeah, good morning, Chuck. What about Chuck? Chuck? Hey, there you go. <laughs> good morning, Chuck, too. <laughs> Chuck is accolade. Oh, the poor thing. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been dragging my feet to make this phone call, and I finally summoned the guts to do so. I've been in conflict whether or not to go to the Netherlands and my uh, father has an ailing health and you know I would prefer to just delay the trip until next summer but um, my family especially my younger brother seems to encourage me to come earlier and I'm kind of planning to go in September part of October but I really don't want to go but so you're and looking uh, for some intuitive insight yeah, from you, Diane? Yes, I'm looking for some intuitive insights for Diane. Do you want I mean, to take I, and run with this now, or, or should Jacobus and I talk and you can tune in for a little while? You and Jacobus talk for a moment, and I'm okay. just going to tune into this. Yeah. I right. think I have a pretty good sense of what's going on. But good. Okay. Okay. Shall we do that, Marion? We're going right. to turn your phone yeah, down. Yeah, that's, that's fine. And All right. then as soon as Diane is ready, we'll just uh, jump on that. And the other caller, please stay on the line. And anybody else who's calling in, both lines are busy right now. So uh, uh, wait till uh, the opportunity comes, and yeah. then we'll... So I'll take right this the- opportunity. There was, there was a couple things I wanted to say about the previous caller, Glenna. Yes. Was it Glenna? Glenna. That had some some uh, questions about her pain and uh, perhaps fibromyalgia uh, diagnoses. What I, I sense is that uh, she's not uh, assimilating the nutrition that she's getting very well, so uh-huh. she may want to take some kind of supplemental enzymes. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I get the sense of this, this overall body stress and tension that she may have some kind of systemic infection. Mm. And perhaps a, a long-term course of antibiotics combined with uh, chelation therapy uh-huh. and with uh, magnesium intravenously. 
Uh huh. And so, what I would recommend her to go see is maybe is it uh, uh, Daniel Dan, Dan Carter? Dan Carter. Uh huh. And because I know that he can uh, provide both of those those treatments. So you said to put on antibiotics. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, the combination of antibiotics and uh, chelation, chelation therapy will help decalcify her system, soften up her muscles. Plus, the intravenous magnesium will help balance the calcium. Uh, magnesium balance correctly. Huh, interesting. Because the calcium tends to uh, make us rigid and kind of tight and painful, and the magnesium tends to relax us. Huh. And she, I guess, the sense that she's just uh, very tense. There's a certain amount of stress in her body. Interesting. So those are a couple of avenues that she can explore, and, and the, all those are, are safe and uh, very low side effect treatments. Okay. Well, Even the antibiotics, uh, something like doxycycline or okay. tetracycline, whatever that she's okay with, is, you know, there's no kind of uh, allergy. Huh. All right. Well, and uh, Glenna, if you're listening, write down this number. It's uh, 586-2392, 586-2392, and you could get in touch with Dr. Dan Carter who is an expert in uh, in chelation therapy, and he could give you a lot of information that might be helpful. He might listen to you and uh, say, this is indeed uh, something that your body is asking for, and uh, that's what we want to get to, to that point. Very good. Mm-hmm. Is Diane ready? Yeah. Great. All right, cool. Let's get Marion back on. Marion, you're with us. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Hi, Marion. Hi. Um, I, You know, I'm getting the sense that, that really the reason that uh, you're needing to go back is because it feels to me like they need somebody to take the lead over there. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, well, I had no intention of actually uh, staying there very long. I mean, if I were to go, it would be more than three or four weeks. And um, I have not gotten that feeling at all. He actually wants to be as independent as possible, and he's back home. He was temporarily in a nursing home when he had fallen but um maybe that might be so but i'm not aware of it at all okay can i throw something just something comes to mind is it possible marion that uh, maybe he doesn't want to bother anybody to ask for help and that therefore he says no i'll take care of myself that he doesn't want to burden anybody with uh, uh, help and guidance and and support and leadership well, he wants, to, I'm not sure if it's burden. He gets ir- irritated when people help him, but he has received help from both my oldest brother and my and my sister. But uh, actually, I wasn't necessarily thinking in terms of he needing help in, uh, in terms of arranging something. I was more in terms of thinking, you know, his health and, you know, can I wait that long until next summer if he's going to have such a decline in health that kind of, you know, quote, unquote, not too late, but... Are we both missing out on something that, if I were to come earlier, that would really benefit me, even though I don't enjoy it? <laughs> or uh, my dad, uh, you know, not necessarily to arrange things in in the Netherlands. Yes. I think that, you, I was going to start this out by saying, I think you know the answer to this question. I think that... I uh, do? <laughs> yeah, I do. I think in uh, your heart, you kind of know where where you need to be. I think earlier is going to be better and more fruitful. Okay. Um. And there's a part of me that feels like there, I just sense an, a tremendous level of apprehension on your part. And I. Oh, I have horrible issues with my dad, or horrible. I, mean, I have mm-hmm. issues that 
some of them have resolved, but some of them I just I just decide not to. <laughs> right. Know, forgiveness and all that stuff. Right. Right. And and what comes up for you is that this is this is your mechanism of protecting yourself so that that heaven forbid you should have another episode where the relationship could, should continues to deteriorate, especially at this point of transition in, in everybody's life. And so what your guides are asking you to do is to just go into this and and face your fears and face your apprehension because when you do that, I think that you're going to find good things to come out of it. But uh, a word of caution is just know that when, that your thought pattern really sometimes dictates uh, the outcome of certain events or is at least a pretty pretty good player in that. So... Uh, when you go, make sure that you go there with a loving and open heart that you know that all will be well and that there won't be any more strife or conflict. If you can just move through that, I think that your visit with him will be far more uh, healing than than destructive. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right, that all makes sense. But But so basically... The bottom line is for me to go the middle of, uh, what was I saying? I can't remember. The middle of September to part of October is more beneficial and fruitful than if I were to wait next May or June or July. Right. That's basically what you're saying. Right. Which is, you know, what I kind of felt, but, you know, then he had all these emotions and they muddied the waters. And so you really can't think clearly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly, and I would also I would also expect that there that you're going to have some insight for the rest of the family that's going to come from a more objective viewpoint because you haven't been in the thick of it for for however long. Well, I've had a lot of insights in terms of, of things I need to you know check medically, but uh, they're really not uh, responsive to it. And my oldest brother is a medical doctor, but that mm-hmm. discuss things with him is like uh, you know hitting more or less a brick wall. So. Right. But maybe these are other insights I guess you're talking about besides you well, know, medically. Right. And and don't put the block up also that says, well, my, I won't be heard. Because when we put blocks up that up like that, then we won't be heard. Well, the thing is, I, I, I wasn't... It's, uh, actually, it's been affirmed. It's like, I've nagged my dad about having his B12 and his vitamin D status checked for a long, long time, and it's like, oh, yeah, whatever the doctors decide. Well, the doctor's not deciding that, and so he's not taking the initiative to actually have these things checked, and I was really feeling that it's, you know, it's not the only reason for his failing health, but it just compounds everything else. So, mm-hmm. so I got very frustrated with it. Right, right. So, anyway. Okay. All right. Well, do well with your trip. Oh, thanks. Well, thank you very much for... Um, giving me some insight and, I guess, confirmation. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Talk to you later, Marion. Bye-bye. Yeah, talk to you later. Bye, Jacobus. Call a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Your name and how can we help you, please? Um, my name's Diane. And, Hello, Diane. And my question is for Diane. Um, I feel like my um, life has come to a stall and just wondering if she can foresee my circumstances changing anytime soon. Okay. Um, how committed are you to, to your changing? How committed are you to having your circumstances change? That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Well, I'm very committed. I'm not really happy about my living circumstances where I'm living. I'm not real happy about um, my job. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to take a moment to uh, take a look at this from an intuitive perspective 
while I take a breath or two. Is that okay, you guys? Oh, that's fine. Yeah, we can time. always find something to well, talk we about. We were hoping that you were going <laughs> to we answer this question. No, of course. <laughs> we'll do that. Uh, Diane, we're going to put you uh, on hold. We're going to put your microphone down a little bit. And then as uh, soon as Diane is ready, we'll jump right back on you. That's fine. Okay, thanks. Kyle. Yes. One thing that you wanted to talk about that we haven't really talked about is lucid dreaming. Uh, Tell us what that means. Lucid dreaming is actually being conscious during a dream, being aware that you are dreaming. And once you gain consciousness or awareness that you're in a dream, you can take control of that dream and do just about anything that you can conceive of. Is that why Chuck is the way he is, kind of? He's yeah. always in a dream state? <laughs> He's in a dream state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it, the mail of That's right. But on a serious note. Yeah, on a serious note. Yes. And so dreams can be utilized to solve problems, gain intuitive insight. And there is, through history, there are some very famous cases of people, inventors, scientists who actually find the solution to a long-term problem that they've been seeking an answer to hmm. in their dreams. Hmm. And so lucid dreaming is actually utilizing your dreams as a tool, being consciously aware that you're dreaming. And I, I can So are you actually in a sleeping state? You're or? actually physically asleep. You're physically asleep? Physically asleep, but you're conscious that you are dreaming. Wow. And let me give you a, f a few techniques. Yeah. The first technique is you gotta learn how to remember your dreams. Okay. And how do we remember our dreams? Well. The first step is when you wake up and you know that you were asleep and you were dreaming is don't move because as soon as you move your physical body, what you do is you sever the connection with the dream state and huh. you're back into the physical, conscious, oh. analytical mind. So you lay there perfectly still, you're awake, you know that you were dreaming and what you do is you replay the dream in your mind. You, you recall and you remember it. What that does is then it etches that dream into your outer consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so that bridges the gap between the dream state and the outer mind. Uh -huh. Okay, so that's the first step, being able to remember your mind or remember your dreams. The second step is being aware that you are dreaming in the middle of a dream. Ooh. And there's a couple steps or a couple techniques to do that. Uh, one is to cue yourself to ask the question, am I dreaming? Huh. And look for certain telltale signs that you are dreaming. There are certain things in our dreams that happen that we don't see in the everyday waking world. Yeah. One is uh, kind of we morph into different situations very quickly. We don't feel hot or cold. When we're in the dream state, mm. there are certain senses that are kind of turned off. Yeah, yeah. And so you can see if something really happens out of the ordinary, that can be a trigger. Ah, this must be a dream. Okay? Yeah. So that's one way. Another is called interrupted, uh, interrupted technique, where you actually set an alarm to wake you up at a certain state but you immediately go back to sleep, allow the body to go back to sleep and go back into that dream state, but still with your mind semi-awake. And it takes some practice. So you're talking about a physical alarm going yeah, off? Yeah, physical alarm. And there's actually some tools. One of them I think is it's, it's, a, it's sell, sold by a company called the Lucidity Institute mm -hmm. that actually is a mask that you wear that these lights flicker when it senses that your eyes are moving around in the in the REM stage, there's yeah. some electronic sensors in there, yeah. and it will 
create these flashing lights that will appear in your dream and then you know that you're dreaming huh. and then the next step is to okay I, I better be quick here the next step is to once you realize that you're aware during your dream it, sometimes it can be so elating that it shocks you right back into waking up because there's this sense of freedom and elation wow i'm awake and i'm i'm in this dream state i can you know i'm not bound by physical laws and limitations and it's euphoric and huh. you've got to be really careful not to to wake up because of that euphoria. Huh. But anyway, so wow. Diane's ready. So Diane's we'll, ready. We'll go on. I've kind of thanks wet, for that explanation. Wet your man. appetite about huh. lucid dreaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Diane. We're talking to Diane on the phone. Diane, you're with us. Yes, I am. Already. Hi, Diane. I have a couple of questions for you before I get into the cards that I pulled for you. Are you having a difficult time sleeping? Um, off and on. Um, oh. Uh, up and well, the last few nights I've been sleeping pretty good, but I'm up and down a lot. Okay, okay. And um, another question that came up for me is: when you walk into your house, do you feel as though your energy gets drained almost immediately? Yes. Okay. And so that's a pretty good indicator to me that you're taking on energy that doesn't belong to you. This is a this is a pattern that I think we do pretty consistently. And so um, that would be the first thing that I would do to help you to um, correct that. Because you can't be as um, effective in life if you don't have your entire energy pattern with you. Hmm. But it seems to me that you're having a hard time speaking up with somebody. Somebody, ha You have something to say to somebody that you haven't been able to say what it is you want in order to get what you need. Now, does that make some sense to you? Um, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. And I get the feeling that you feel like you've tried to, but it just doesn't quite come, come full circle to where you're being heard from your authentic person from your authentic self, okay? Mm -hmm. And so the first thing that I would suggest to you is to take an opportunity to make sure that, that you're being clear, not only with yourself, but with the person that you're trying to communicate with, because I'm not really sure that you know what you want. Yeah, I'm kind of in limbo. Okay, yeah. right, right. Well, and what, what your spirit guides are asking you to do is to make, make a plan. And the blockage around making a plan is your strength. It feels to me like you feel as though your strength is no longer um, with you. And so the first part of that is to, first of all, release yourself from energy patterns that don't belong with you. And I know that's, the, and that's a lengthier discussion than what I can go through go into here on the radio mm -hmm. and uh, then you can find your strength to actually make a plan the universe is always ready willing and able to help us but we have to be clear in what we're sending out to the universe as well and when we're not clear to them they can't be clear with us it's like children mm -hmm. okay and so finally in all of this what uh, what another one of your blockages is is the fact that you're having a hard time being really attentive hmm yeah, I, I think that's one of the things, you know. Yeah. So through some quiet time, you can help yourself by just focusing your mind and I think just being quiet in your mind. Do you tend to meditate or be quiet throughout the day in, in whatever way that resonates best with you through exercise or hiking or biking or anything like that? Well, I just bought a couple books and a CD on learning how to meditate, so I am working on that. Okay. I don't get out that much. 
outside that much. Usually when I get off work, I'm tired and I just want to come home and get off my feet. Uh huh. I would suggest that perhaps getting outside would be helpful because I feel like your energy is being drained through just being in the house. Mm. Okay. Okay. So if you want to know a little bit more about this, uh, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but go ahead and give me a call and we can go further into this with you. I'd love to. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. No You're problem. very welcome, Diane. Right. Thank you. And all the best to you. Well, thank you. All Bye righty. Bye-bye. 580 580-2893. 580-2893. It'll get you in touch with Diane Ferris. And uh, I, there is another call on hold, but call or stay on the line. I'll grab you off the air, if that's okay, uh, because we have to finish this up. Kyle, it's been awesome. You're always a phenomenal guest, and I appreciate you sharing your time again with us today. Well, thank you for the kind words. There's all kinds of... Other things that we haven't gotten to uh, that we'll we can do it always again. talk about, we'll have to do it again. And I'm just so impressed. This flowed quite well. Yeah, it was with great. Diane. Yeah, it, it was. It was a great show. Well, thank you, Diane. Also, it's been great having you. Thanks, Jacobus. It was great. And if it's just been a great opportunity. I've never done this before. Baby's first time on the radio. Well, we'll do it again. Thanks, folks. We'll be back next week Sunday from seven to ten for another edition of Gazoon Tight with Jacobus. Talk to you then. Gazoon Tight with Jacobus, integrative health at your fingertips.